We are on Yevamos Kuf Yud Gimel Omer Aleph 113a, uh, towards the bottom. Uh, our mission mentioned that a cherish, somebody who is a deaf mute, they cannot get married, whether it's the husband or the wife, they cannot get married on a biblical level, they can only get married on a rabbinical level. Uh, there is such a concept as a rabbinic marriage for a cherish, for a deaf mute. The other type of rabbinic marriage, as we pointed out in the past, is for a kitana, for a girl who is a minor. And that's to her benefit in those days. Uh, it was to her benefit so that uh, uh, people don't take advantage of her and they don't abuse her um, so that she's married. Um, and those are really the, the only two types of rabbinic marriages. It would seem from our Mishnah, and this is an introduction to the Gemara that we will begin shortly, it would seem from our Mishnah that on a biblical level, there is no marriage whatsoever. We're not even... We're not even in doubt as to whether there's a marriage on a biblical level for a deaf mute, uh, for a minor, for a child who's a minor, uh, or for a shota, or for somebody who's not in touch with reality. That all three uh, have no... Uh, it's not even uh, on the table as to whether or not they have a biblical marriage. The only, the only question is whether there's a rabbinic marriage. And in some cases there are rabbinic marriages that they've instituted, and for other cases they did not. That's what seems to be the case from the Mishnah. So the Gemara will actually bring an opinion that says that, well, no, maybe when it comes to deaf-mute, we're actually not sure. And it's unique to a deaf-mute. It's not, we don't find this by a minor. We do not find this by a shota, by somebody who's not in touch with reality. Specifically, when it comes to deaf-mute, we will see that there's an opinion, maybe multiple opinions, that are of the opinion that uh, maybe there is a concern that on a biblical, biblical level, uh, the Cherish is married. We don't know with certainty, but maybe out of doubt, because maybe they really uh, do have sufficient uh, knowledge and awareness uh, that they are viewed as married, which is just an interesting point because uh, it seems as though of the three categories that we've been discussing of Cherish, Shota, and Katon, um, that the Cherish, the deaf-mute, is the one that really probably has the highest chance of uh, of having uh, awareness. of uh, If we were to pick of the three, which one has more the most awareness and knowledge and ability to show intent and to communicate, it would be the cherish, it would be the person who is deaf-mute. Uh, to the point where there's an opinion that we'll see in the Gemara, it wasn't found in the Mishnah, but there's an opinion in the Gemara that says, you know what, maybe we should be concerned that really on a biblical mar- level, uh, such a person is married. Now, this would have practical ramifications. Um, if we are concerned, have many practical ramifications, um, and the Gemara will get into it, but just as by way of introduction, number one is that if on a biblical level we're really concerned that maybe they're married according to that opinion, so then we would have to take their marriage uh, seriously and be concerned that maybe they really are married to the point of, let's say, the wife commits adultery um, and uh, commits adultery, so then even though in general... Uh, they, they wouldn't bring a sacrifice, the normal sacrifice that's brought, what's referred to as a korban chatas, a sin offering, because we don't know with certainty that they're married, but there's a different type of korban that a person brings, a different sacrifice that a person brings when they're in a situation of doubt as to whether or not they they uh, they are required to bring a sacrifice on a biblical level. And uh, it's referred to an ashim talu, it has a specific name, where it's, uh, it's, a, it's brought when a person's not sure if they committed a sin or not. Um, certainly, according to our Mishnah, the opinion in our Mishnah, there would be absolutely no reason to bring the sacrifice because on a biblical level, they're not married. So she didn't commit adultery. If they're not married on a biblical level, and they're only married on a rabbinic level, 
So they didn't, she didn't commit adultery on a biblical level. So there's certainly no reason to bring a sacrifice according to the opinion of the Mishnah. But we'll see that according to an opinion in the Gemara, who says that maybe we should be concerned that uh, it is viewed as a marriage, so then they would have to bring a sacrifice. Additionally, other, other ramifications uh, would be, um, let's say, first of all, maybe we should be concerned that they're obligated in mitzvos. Because they have, you know, out of doubt, we're not sure. So maybe they should be obligated in mitzvos because maybe they do have sufficient knowledge, or perhaps another another point which is going to be mentioned in the Gemara is uh, only people who are adults and with sufficient uh, knowledge uh, and awareness, only such people could um, could could take off truma, could separate truma which is the special food which is given to the Kohen, you can only do that if you're an adult with, um, with, um, with, uh, with, who's a bendas, who's somebody who has awareness and knowledge. So if they take off truma, are we concerned that this is actually truma? And if it is truma, so then it has to be given to the Kohen and treated with a certain level of holiness. It has, uh, has its own set of laws associated with the produce that's defined as truma, as uh, produce that's given to the Kohen. Uh, so, are we concerned that it's truma, or are we not concerned that it's truma? That uh, if you hold that uh, they they for sure uh, uh, do not have sufficient uh, knowledge and awareness, so then we wouldn't even be concerned. But if it's a question of doubt, so then we should be concerned. You would have to take off truma again. But even that that which they already took off, that which they separated from the produce, maybe we should be concerned for their truma. So let's see the Gemara. That's uh, the introduction. So Amar of Chia Barashi Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says, we'll see two different versions of Shmuel, but this is the first version. He says that the wife of a Cheresh, of a deaf mute, we are not concerned you do not bring this Ashem Tali, this sacrifice that you bring when it's a question of doubt. Whether or not, you're not sure whether or not you, um, you, uh, uh, you, you violated a, a commandment, whether she committed adultery. So he says, no, we're not concerned whatsoever. Why not? Why are we not concerned? So the Gemara says, Maybe this Shmuel is of the opinion of the following, he's, he's, he fits with the following opinion, uh, which would also fit with the opinion of our Mishnah, which is essentially, the Gemara will say, it's essentially the opinion that says that we don't think that the marriage is on any level, it's not even a question, it's not a marriage on a biblical level, which is why, she she would not even if she if she commits adultery it's not adultery because she was never married and she would never bring an ashram tali she would never bring this sacrifice which one brings when one isn't sure whether or not they committed a sin and this would fit with the following opinion because we have the following opinion there are five people who if they try they attempt to take off truma from the produce to separate truma to to designate it as, as with a certain level of holiness which is given to the kohen. If they attempt to do it, it doesn't work at all. We're not even concerned whatsoever, not one bit. And including that list, these are the five, Elohim. The first one on the list is a Cherish. We're not concerned whatsoever. So this is parallel to what Shmuel just said. Just uh, The Gemara continues with the rest of the list. But the first one is a deaf mute. And then it continues, a Shota and a Kata, and the, the same list that we've been having. As somebody who's not in touch with reality, or a, a child who's a minor. Another, another one on the list is, I can't uh, take off Truma from your field. Uh, you know, you have your field and it's your produce. And I say, no, this this is this is designated, this part portion is designated for the Kohen. It won't work because it's not my field. Or if you have a non-Jew, the last thing on the list is, Vovid Kochavim, Shetarm Shal Yisrael, Afilu Brishis Yisrael, Intrum Truma. 
to even if the Jew were to appoint a non-Jew as a messenger, <coughs> excuse me, to uh, take off the truma, to separate the truma for the Kohen, it doesn't work, but that's the list of the five. The main point is that the first one on the list is a deaf mute, and we're not even concerned whatsoever. We don't say, oh, maybe it is truma, so we should be concerned, take off truma again, separate truma again, but this is actually truma. No, we have no concern whatsoever. The Gemara then says, wait a minute. No, maybe Shmuel really is concerned. Maybe Shmuel really is concerned, and he's not sure whether or not the Cheresh has uh, sufficient uh, knowledge and awareness. And he's of the following opinion, or maybe he really holds like Rebbe Lazar. Maybe he really holds like Rebbe Lazar, who says that if the Cheresh, if the, if the deaf mute were to take off Truma, would separate Truma for the Kohen, we really are concerned. He has to, you have to take off Truma again from the produce, but maybe that produce, that initial produce, out of doubt, maybe that really is Truma, and you should treat it as Truma. And that's the position of Rebbe Lazar. This is the big position of Rebbe Lazar, who says that a Cheresh, for sure within Rebbe Lazar, he's not sure, maybe a Cheresh does really have sufficient knowledge and uh, intent and awareness. Um, and so maybe Shmuel fits like in. The Gemara says, wait a minute. But if he holds like Rebbe Lazar, so why did Shmuel say that in a context where uh, a woman is married to a Cheresh, to a deaf mute, that um, if she commits adultery, so then she's not obligated to bring a sacrifice, but we should be concerned. Maybe she did commit adultery. Maybe she really is married on a biblical level. How could Shmuel, how could we say Shmuel holds like Rebbe Lazar to say that, you know, maybe we are concerned that they are, that, that they have sufficient knowledge and awareness. That means we're concerned that maybe they're married. But Shmuel just said that you don't bring a sacrifice. To this, the Gemara answers, in an important point, he says, no, this is found in a Gemara elsewhere that says, no, the only time you bring the sacrifice of doubt, that you're not sure whether or not you committed a sin, the only, it, it, there's certain limitations to it. The only time you bring it is, for example, let's say you have in front of you two pieces of meat. And you know that one of them is kosher, one of them is not kosher. And you eat one of them. So then there's a question, but you don't know which one's which. So then in that scenario, you know that um, that one of them is kosher, one of them is not kosher. So then you would bring a sacrifice because the the non-kosher food, even though you don't know which one it is, is present. And since it's present, it's like it's staring at you in the face. Um, and, and and even though uh, it could be that the chances are the same as, as another scenario, uh, percentage-wise, but when, when, when it's present, it's, uh, it's right there. And there's different ways of explaining it, maybe because there's an opportunity to, to figure out, and, and you didn't take the time to figure out which one's kosher and which is not kosher, but they're both there. They're in front of you. The non-kosher food is, is staring you in the face. That's the only time you bring a sacrifice. Or, for example, um, you know, uh, an interesting, uh, not, not so likely scenario is where at home it's night, it's dark, uh, especially in times of the Tama, there was no light, no electricity. And there are two women in the house. One of them is your wife and one of them is not your wife. Um, and so would that be, also, would that be uh, a problem or not? Um, because there are two people in front of you. One of them you're permissible to. The other one, let's say, you're not permissible to. So that would also be a, a parallel example. But in this case, you don't have two You don't have two items in front of you. You don't have two people in front of you. There's one person who's a cherish, and you just don't know whether or not this deaf mute is really halakhically viewed as as somebody who's a bardas, who has sufficient knowledge. So for a technical reason, we say you don't bring the sacrifice, but fundamentally, uh, maybe Shmuel really holds like Rebbe Lazar, who, who says that we're not really sure. Maybe you do have to bring a sacrifice 
uh, not not bring a sacrifice. Maybe she she did commit adultery. She just doesn't bring a sacrifice. Maybe they really are married. Maybe it's questionable whether they're married or not. Against our Mishnah again, these opinions would be against our Mishnah. So the Gemara then says, "We buy Rabbi Lazar Chaticha Mishdei Chatichos." But does Rabbi Lazar, the Rabbi Lazar, the, the opinion that that says that for the Cheres for the deaf mute, we're concerned maybe they're like a, a regular, um, fully healthy person. Uh, but doesn't he say? Isn't he of the opinion that we don't care about uh, you? You bring you bring the sacrifice even if you don't have two items in front of you, where one's kosher, one's not kosher. That he has a certain case where it wasn't where you have two items in front of you; it was just one item. We just weren't sure. We're not sure whether or not it's kosher or not. And he says you still bring uh, this sacrifice. So the Gemara answers that's Rabbalazar. But Shmuel, we could say that Shmuel himself. He could agree to Rabbi Lazar with regards to one area of halacha. He could agree to Rabbi Lazar and say that the cheresh, the deaf mute, maybe he has sufficient knowledge and his marriage, maybe, we're not sure, is a marriage on a biblical, biblical level. But at the same time, he could argue on Rabbi Lazar and say, you wouldn't bring a sacrifice because he, Shmuel, is of the opinion that you only bring a sacrifice in certain situations and scenarios when the, i.e., when the, when the iser, when the, that which is not allowed is in front of you, and that in this case you don't have that, and so you wouldn't bring a sacrifice. So he agrees with the Rebbe Lazar with regards to the status of the cheresh of the deaf mute, but not with regards to when you bring a sacrifice, when you do not bring a sacrifice. Okay, the Gemara now has just a, 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 the opposite version of it. Vigadamer, this is an opposite version which says Amr of Barashim Shmuel. Shmuel says not that you are not obligated to bring a sacrifice, but he says you are obligated to bring a sacrifice. That you do bring this sacrifice of not 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 with certainty that you committed a sin, but maybe if she commits adultery, maybe she was really married on a biblical level, and then she would have to bring a sacrifice. And so the Gemara asks, I but we have a brisa which seems to imply that the cheresh is for sure uh, doesn't have sufficient knowledge, which is why if he takes off truma, if he separates truma, then you never uh, you never. Uh, view it as truma. You would never view it as truma because we know with certainty that he's not doesn't have sufficient uh, knowledge and awareness. So the Gemara answers according to this version. No, it's because he he, ar- he argues on that position and he holds like Rebbe and Rebbe of the position. <coughs> excuse me that um, that the cheresh is, is there's a question whether or not the cheresh has sufficient knowledge or not. Okay, so it's a slightly different version. This version says that Shmuel really holds that you do have to bring a sacrifice. So this would fit very nicely with Rabbi Lazar, uh, who says that maybe we are concerned that it is is recognized as a marriage on a biblical level. So again, these two opinions, Rabbi Lazar and Shmuel, would be arguing with our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is of the opinion that it's not recognized as a marriage on a biblical level, only on a rabbinic level, that they institute such a marriage. And Shmuel and Rabbi Lazar are saying, they're not saying for sure that it's a biblical marriage, they're saying we're not sure. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we have to be concerned that maybe it is. And therefore, according to the second version, you would have to bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of the Ashim Tali, not a regular sin offering, but a sacrifice that maybe they committed a sin. The Gemara now asks, Boy Rav Ashi, Rav Ashi asks, My time at the Rabbi Lazar, what is the reason to say that we are not sure whether or not this Cherish, this deaf mute, has sufficient knowledge? Meaning as follows. The Gemara presents two different options. Is it the fault? Fo- is it one way is as follows? Okay, so 
Velav daita tzlusahu. Vahach ahainu time I came ditim chalim ditim shota. Two ways of looking at it. Two ways of looking at the Cherish, at the deaf mute. One way is to say that he certainly has a, weak, a lesser form of awareness and, uh, and uh, ability to communicate and show intent. He definitely has that. But, and his level is always the same all the time. It's always the same. That lower level is always the same all the time. The question is, that lower level, but still, that might suffice on a biblical level to be viewed as somebody who has... Who has das? Who has sufficient awareness and knowledge? But his his level of knowledge and awareness is always the same his entire life. That's one way of looking at it. The second way of looking at it is to say, no, you know what? If he has this lower level of awareness, it's not good. It doesn't work. It's not. It's not enough. But it fluctuates, and we're not really sure. Sometimes the hair, sometimes the deaf mute, has a higher level of awareness, and sometimes he has a lower level of awareness. Maybe it depends on the day. Maybe it depends on. What they're discussing, the topic at hand, what they're trying to do, uh, we don't know. But sometimes they do have sufficient awareness, sometimes they don't. And so we always have to be concerned. Maybe they're on the level of somebody who is uh, healthy, is completely healthy, and is able to communicate and um, and ha- has a higher level of understanding. Because maybe the Cherish himself, the deaf himself, sometimes is also on that higher level. So we're not really... Sure, which way it is. Is it that he's always on this lower level consistently? But the question is, this lower level might suffice as well? Or is the option that no, the lower level doesn't work? But maybe sometimes we're just not sure. Some, some days he has a higher level of knowledge and awareness and ability to communicate uh, and to show intent um, like, uh, like a, a, a healthy person. Or uh, sometimes he's not. So we're just not sure. The Gemara asks, who cares? You know, what's the practical difference? The Gemara has an interesting practical difference. The ramification is as follows. What happens if this cherish, this deaf mute, gets married? Okay, he gets married. So according to Rabbi Lazar, you have to be concerned that maybe he had sufficient uh, awareness. And then he wants to divorce his wife. So if you take the position that says that he always has the same level of awareness and knowledge throughout his life, and it's just a question of whether that's sufficient or not, so just like he's able to get married, he's able to get divorced. It's always the same. But if you say that it always changes, and that it it constantly changes, so then you could have a scenario where we should be concerned. Ultimately, not just a scenario, but in every case, we should be concerned. Maybe at the time that he got married, he had sufficient knowledge and awareness, and so it's a good marriage, on a biblical level, and when he's trying to get divorced, on that day, he doesn't have, or in that topic of divorce, he doesn't have sufficient knowledge and awareness, and so therefore he cannot get divorced. Because it changes, we should be concerned that he doesn't have that same level of knowledge and awareness at the time of the divorce as when he had it when he got married, and so therefore he cannot get divorced. So according to the first approach, he can get divorced. It's the same. It's all the same. According to the second approach, he can't get divorced. It has a big ramification. So on this, the Gemara says, Teku. The Gemara says, I don't know. They don't know, they cannot answer, uh, they don't have an answer to this question. They know that according to Rabbi Lazar, and perhaps even according to Shmuel, we are concerned that they should, uh, that the cheris should be viewed as uh, as uh, somebody who is um, halakhically competent. Uh, but we just don't know, is it because they always have the same level of knowledge throughout their lives? And to question whether that, that, that is a good enough level, or is the concern that maybe uh, on certain days they have a higher level of competence and other days they don't? And so to that, the Gemara answers, we don't know. We really don't know. And um, they leave it as a teku, that uh, in the end, of, when 
Eliyahu, in the end of the days, will, will reveal to us the answer to this question. Okay, we'll continue with uh, the next part of the Gemara in the next recording.